F2, F3, and the F1 Academy. This week I'm trying all about the feeder series, so get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello everyone and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syrah and this week we are chatting all about the feeder series. Now, for me, I ended up starting my motorsport journey with Formula 1 and then I saw people tweet and post about things like Formula 2 and Formula 3 and was just really curious what the heck these other things were. I ended up watching one or two of the F2 and F3 races because of posts like that and then fell in love with it basically but I thought I would do just a bit of an episode on what the feeder series are what they do and what to expect from them so if like me you watch Formula One but don't really know what all the feeder series do this is the episode for you so let's just dive right into it let's just start off with what is a feeder series so basically a feeder series is what it says on the tin it's a way to help drivers feed into formula one so what you'll find most of the time is that drivers will go through each of the series f4 f3 f2 with the hopes of making it into formula one by proving themselves in each series now i say most of the time they go through each series there are occasions where some drivers might skip a series so people like this year kimmy antonelli who was in f4 has missed out F3 and is now going to be joining the F2 grid in 2024. Doesn't happen all the time. They are really exceptional circumstances, but it does happen on occasion. Now, all of these feeder series are single-seater open-wheel cars that the drivers are racing in and to no one's surprise, they are slower than an F1 car, but it's a way for the drivers to slowly build themselves up into what they hope will be a Formula 1 seat. So I am going to actually start off with Formula 4 and this is a bit of an odd one right but essentially it was created to bridge that gap between karting and then formula 3 because karting is where a lot of the drivers will start off on it's where they really fall in love with sort of racing and single-seater racing in particular and it was there just to make it not so much of a jump before they get into formula 3 now unlike the other feed series that i'm going to be talking about later on so f3 f2 and formula 1 academy formula 4 doesn't actually go around the world instead what you'll have are individual regions or nations opting to host their own championship but they have to be in accordance with the FIA rules. So currently we have F4 championships like the UAE F4 championship, Southeast Asia, the Italian F4 championship, British, Spanish, US. So it's done by country or by region instead of it being around the world. It's a little less traveling for the drivers but still a certain amount of traveling within that region so they're just slowly getting used to these things right? And the hope is when you're in Formula 4 is that you end up standing out to someone and get pulled into Formula 3 and I think with Formula 4 or at least from what I've seen you can enter multiple championships as long as they're not overlapping with the one that you've already committed to. And then we move in to Formula 3. Three, and this used to be known as GP3 and in 2019 it became the FIA Formula 3 Championship after it merged two different series together. Now Formula 3 will always be a support race for Formula 1 so unlike in Formula 4 because it's regional they'll race whenever it's not dependent on an F1 race with Formula 3 it will always be on a race weekend when F1 is also being held. So if you end up having tickets to a Grand Prix weekend and F3 is racing you'll be able to see those drivers as well. So here's how a F3 race weekend works because it is different to a Formula 1 race weekend. So on a Friday, they will have one single practice session. That's all the drivers get for the entire weekend and that is 45 minutes long. Later on that same day on the Friday, we have a 30 minute long qualifying session. And unlike in Formula 1 where we have Q1, Q2 and Q3 and people get booted out and eliminated in each stage, 
In Formula 3, we don't have any of that. Instead, all the drivers are out there for 30 minutes trying to get the quickest lap time possible. And if you get pole position, you end up gaining two extra points to add to your championship tally. On a Saturday, then, we get a sprint race. So in Formula 1, we only have six this year. In Formula 3, every single race weekend that they go to, there will be a sprint race on the Saturday, and that is 40 minutes plus one lap. Now, they set the grid for the sprint by taking the top 12 and qualifying and reversing that grid. So P12 goes to P1 and P1 goes down to P12. Everyone else on the grid stays in the exact same place. The top 10 in the sprint race get a point with P10 getting one point and P1 getting 10 points. And then you get a point if you end up getting the fastest lap. Sunday is then the feature race and this is 45 minutes plus one lap so it's only five minutes longer than the actual sprint race. Points are given out the exact same way that they're given out during a Formula 1 Grand Prix weekend so 25 for P1, one point for P10 and once again you get a point for the fastest lap. There are no compulsory pit stops in Formula 3, none of them have to stop because the races are that much shorter as well so they don't have to worry about that. Obviously if there are changing conditions and they need to put wet tyres on or they get a puncture or anything like that they of course can come into pit but it isn't a compulsory thing for them to do. The max number of points a person can get during an F3 weekend is 39 points. If you can maximise on absolutely everything, get pole position, win the sprint race, the feature race and get the fastest slap for both of those races you could walk away with 39 points which is crazy now these are the teams that are currently competing in fia formula 3 so our italian teams are prima and trident i feel like prima is one that i knew of before i even started watching the feeder series they are everywhere we then have mp motorsport and van amersport racing who are dutch campos racing is our spanish team high tech plus eight and rodin are then our british team genzo motorsport is swiss i hope i pronounced that team name right art is a french team and then phm aix racing is german each team fields three drivers and that means f3 is a 30 driver grid and it can be insane when you see race starts with all 30 of those drivers trying to get to the first corner absolutely manic now the wonderful thing about f3 is that everyone is using the same car here a delara chassis a mechachrome v6 engine and pirelli tires it's the same spec this is a spec series suspension is similar to f1 cars they do try and keep things similar to f1 in order to help people with getting up into formula one so when they make that jump if they do it's a lot easier for them to adjust so they do try and keep things similar but obviously not exactly the same in some cases because the cars will not be as powerful or as fast now there are costs when we enter any of the feeder series drivers do not get paid in any of the feeder series they pay to get into these series f3 being a lower series so it means that it is cheaper to enter than f2 and we're looking at roughly 1.2 million dollars a year which yes is a crazy amount of money but is what drivers pay roughly in order to race now those costs tend to be paid by the drivers themselves it'll be them personally their families might help out in some cases they will have sponsors that will also help them or junior academies might foot some of the bill and in some cases governments of certain countries have like athletic funds and if they think you're a promising driver and will help bolster the country's sporting achievements they might help you pay that fee still though it is a crazy crazy amount of money the f3 cars though like i said are meant to be slower than an f2 car and they have a top speed of around about 300 kilometers per hour and to get from zero to 100 kilometers an hour we're looking at 3.1 seconds 
and 0 to 200 kilometers an hour, we're looking at 7.8 seconds. Still incredibly fast, but slower than a Formula 1 car. Altogether this year, F3 are visiting 10 circuits, and that means 20 races altogether. So 10 sprint races, 10 feature races. However, other than Bahrain and Australia, all of the rest of those circuits are based in Europe. So they've got a little bit of travelling outside of Europe, but the majority of those races will be in Europe. Season will finish out much earlier than both F2 and F1, and it actually finishes in September in Monza. So that's right at the beginning of September. The F3 Championship will be wrapped up. In 2023, F3 ended up running with 55% sustainable fuel, and there are plans to increase that amount so F3 becomes fully sustainable with their fuel by 2027. And of course, this is still a part of the FIA trying to make motorsport and racing a lot more sustainable and environmentally friendly. Now, if you win the F3 Championship, which is of course everyone's main goal, you then get kicked out of F3. You can't stay in Formula 3 once you win the championship. You have to move on. Now, our current champion for 2023 is Gabriel Bortoletto with Trident, and he has got a seat in F2 next year, so he got kicked out but has found a seat in F2. Most of the F3 champions will end up moving to F2. He ended up winning the championship, though, with two races left in the season, and then Prema were the team's champions. Looking now at Formula 2, though, now this was a championship that had its inaugural season back in 2017 after moving away from GP2. So we hear about GP2 champions like Lewis Hamilton, 2017, it got renamed to Formula 2. F2 has a lot of similarities to Formula 3. There are a couple of nuances there, but by and large, a lot of it is fairly similar. Like F3, it is always a support race to Formula 1, so without a Formula 1 race, we won't just have a standalone Formula 2 weekend. The weekend format for F2 is pretty much exactly the same for Formula 3. Practice and qualifying on a Friday with pole position getting two extra championship points. Sprint is held on a Saturday, just like Formula 3. However, there is a difference in that they are now racing for 120 kilometers or 45 minutes, whichever is first. So there is that difference there, as well as getting a slightly quicker car. The drivers are also expected to drive for a little bit longer on a race day. Looking at the grid on the sprint, now that's set by reversing the top 10 from qualifying to set the grid and then everyone else will stay the exact same. The top eight during the sprint will get points with P1 getting 10 points and P8 getting one. There is point for fastest lap and in a sprint, there is no mandatory pit stop for these drivers. Feature race comes along on Sunday and once again they are racing for a little bit longer. This time it's 170 kilometers or 60 minutes, whichever one is met first. The point system is the exact same in F1, P1 going 25 points, P10 getting one point, and then another point for fastest lap. Now here as well as the difference from F3, there is a mandatory pit stop. Drivers have to use one set of each dry spec tire that they've been given, so they will actually have to go through a pit stop here. But once again, 39 points is the maximum amount of points that you can get on an F2 weekend, so it's a pretty hefty haul if you can nail absolutely everything. And here's who we have contending in F2, team-wise at least. So we have ART and DAMS, which are French teams. Prima and Trident are the Italian teams. Road in Motorsport and Victor Racing and High Tech Pulse eight are then British. MP Motorsport and Van Amersfoort Racing are Dutch. Campos Racing are Spanish and PHM AIX are German. So you can tell that there are some teams that roll over from F3 into F2. Each team fields two drivers in Formula 2. So we go from 30 down to 22 drivers on the grid. So the seats get a little bit more competitive compared to F3. Once again, this is a spec series. So it really focuses on the driver's ability 
rather than the driver and what the teams can do with the car. And yes, the car is more powerful. It is quicker than F3. We're once again just trying to bridge that gap a little bit more with F1. But we have heard the quotes, or I've seen the quotes, where F2 drivers still think that the gap between F2 cars and F1 cars in terms of the speed and the braking and everything, it's still a little bit too big. And I know Logan Sargent has mentioned it and how he would hope that that gap gets a little bit smaller because it is still hard to make that jump. Now, the F2 car is going through some alterations ready for the 2024 season. It got announced last year, so there is a new spec car coming in, but still a spec series. Everyone will be driving with this. So we have a new 3.4 litre Mechachrome engine to help accommodate the sustainable fuel that will be coming in in 2025. So we've made some alterations there just to make sure that the engine is fully prepared for that sustainable fuel. For now, though, they're still using their 55% sustainable fuel from around code just like formula 3 and from what i can tell it's not been causing any issues with the racing on top of that braking ergonomics and steering efforts have changed to accommodate a wide range of drivers including female drivers the nose front and rear wing and the floor have changed to encourage more wheel-to-wheel racing and make it easier for the drivers top speed in f2 car is currently 335 kilometers an hour acceleration from 0 to 100 kilometers an hour is 2.9 seconds and acceleration from 0 to 200 100 kilometers an hour is 6.6 seconds and like formula 3 drivers are still paying to race here and to no surprise it is still more expensive drivers are roughly paying three million dollars a year to race in formula 2 crazy crazy amounts and we will be talking about just the expense of getting into the feeder series later on in this episode but yes three million dollars roughly and yeah just like formula 3 they are personally paying for that family might help out sponsors junior academies and potential governments and just like in f3 as well the drivers have to leave once they get the f2 championship there is absolutely no going back so it's not like formula one we have max with three world championships lewis with seven fernando with two and they are staying on the grid and competing for more and more championships if you don't win formula 2 you can stay there as long as your team wants you and as long as you can fund the seat now usually i feel like most people will spend two years in formula 2 and then try and move on either to a different series or get into formula 1 some cases i have seen three years and there are drivers that have spent substantially longer in formula 2 four years i think we've had someone stick around for five years But yes, I'd say two years is the normal amount of time that people spend in Formula 2. Like I said, a lot of it does come down to costs and people just can't afford to stay in Formula 2 for any more than two seasons. So they'd rather move on, even if they can't get an F1 seat, to another series that would pay them to drive. This year, we have 14 rounds in FIA Formula 2, meaning that we are getting 28 races, 14 sprints, 14 feature races. We're starting out in Bahrain with the start of the F1 season and ending in Abu Dhabi with the Formula 1 season. So it starts and finishes at the exact same time. Now, the circuits do vary a little bit more compared to Formula 3. We have a couple more that are outside of Europe. So they're getting them used to that traveling and being around the world and getting used to those different time zones a little bit more in Formula 2. Our current champion is Teo Porsche, who is moving to Super Formula for the time being. And his team, ART, are the current team champions. And then we go into the F one academy and it's a feeder series i'm really really excited about because this is a female only single seater championship the inaugural season was held in 2023 it's only a year old it's only going into its second year but it is very very exciting now the entire point that this series was created in 2022 i think is when we heard about it was to help prep young female drivers 
to get into single-seater racing. It was to help them move up through the ranks into the different feeder series, trying to slowly get them into Formula One and trying to break the barriers that a lot of women face in motorsport, giving them a place to showcase their talents, like I said, move up through the series, hopefully get into Formula One. And also that spotlight on Formula One Academy hopefully means that they can get sponsorships which will help them fund their racing career. The F1 Academy race weekend is very, very different from F2 and F3, and it took me a little while to get my head around it. So on any F1 Academy race weekend, we will have three races. Now, last year, the majority of these races, bar I think Cota, when we went out to the circuit of the Americas, weren't a support race for Formula One and weren't televised. When we went out to Cota, it was a support race and it got televised. This year, however, every single race will be a support race for Formula One and every single one is going to be televised. So if you're looking to support more women in motorsport, please, please go watch Formula One Academy this year. But this is the race weekend format. Drivers will have two free practice sessions, which are 40 minutes each, and then we'll have two qualifying sessions, which are 15 minutes each. Race one is 30 minutes plus a lap long and pole position comes from the first qualifying session that the drivers have and the rest of the grid is set by that as well. Race two is kind of like a sprint race. I would say it's 20 minutes long plus a lap. The top eight in qualifying one are reversed with everyone else staying the same. And then in race three, it's once again 30 minutes plus one lap. Pole position and the grid comes from qualifying two. Race one and race three have the same point system as form one. And then in race two, the top eight get points going from 10 points down to one. We currently have five teams involved in F1 Academy and they are teams that are either in F2 and or F3. There are 15 drivers in total on the grid. Each team has three drivers. And for this year, every F1 team will be running their livery on at least one F1 Academy car to try and help support the series. The teams that are involved are Prema, ART, Campos, Rodin and MP Motorsport. The current cars are basically what they use in Formula 4. So they use a Formula 4 chassis. The spec is pretty much the same, if not exactly the same, I'm pretty sure. So it's that step up for them to hopefully get into F3, F2, and then hopefully one day we will see another female driver in Formula 1. Cost-wise, F1 Academy are reducing that cost down to 100,000 euros. They are obviously trying to make this way more accessible, but yes, I will admit it is still a lot of money at the end of the day. Motorsport in general is just a very, very expensive sport. Whether you're taking part in it or trying to watch it, it is quite expensive. The Academy is going to seven circuits on the calendar, so we get 21 races all together. They are starting in Jeddah and they are ending in Abu Dhabi, and there are a really nice range of circuits around the world, in my opinion. They're going to America, Europe, the Middle East. It's a really nice range of races for them. 2023, our champion was Marta Garcia and the winning team were Primer. Now that runs through the fourth feeder series and then before that there's a lot of karting going on. But in general, for me, the feeder series have just always had closer racing, especially in comparison to Formula One. I think at the moment we're just seeing teams in Formula One trying to get to grips with the new regulations and it's taking a while for teams to catch up with Red Bull, but you know, hats off to Red Bull for nailing them. But it means we're not necessarily getting closer racing at the front of the field. Because Fear Series are a spec series, we're relying completely and utterly on the driver's ability to do wheel-to-wheel racing, to manage tyres and fuel loads. The racing is way, way closer up and down the field. And look, for those of you who don't like F1 sprint races, I'm still trying to get used to them myself. The Feeder Series sprints are actually so, so exciting to watch with some great battles going on. 
because everyone is dying for those points. The championships get so close that people can't afford just to sort of miss out on points on a sprint race weekend. It's exciting racing. And on top of that, you get to see potential starts of the future. You get to see drivers make their way up and then work their way into Formula One. And Oscar Piastri right now is the perfect example of that. He won F3, he won F2, he got into F1 and he's doing amazing in F1 right now. And it gives you the chance to really follow these drivers' careers and to see how they've built up into Formula 1 and hopefully into Formula 1 champions one day. However, I will admit that yes, costs are a huge, huge barrier into the feeder series. We sometimes see drivers dropping out midway through a season because of the costs that are associated with driving. Even getting sponsorships and things like that, the vast majority of the money has to be stumped up by drivers and their families. It isn't cheap. It is difficult. And this is a problem that goes into karting as well. Karting is also expensive to buy a kart, to compete in the races, to travel around. And with all of these formulas as well, it's not just paying to enter these races and to enter the series. They're also having to pay for their hotels and their flights. None of that is subsidized for them. So it is a very, very expensive sport that they're trying to get into and trying to get into to make it into Formula One. I really don't know what the solution is to making it slightly cheaper so it's more accessible for people because the concern always is that we lose very talented drivers because of the costs. And then, of course, yeah, there's the fact that just because you win an F2 championship, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a seat in Formula 1. Oscar Piastri, like I said, won F3 and F2 in his rookie years back to back, and he had to wait a year before he got a seat in Formula 1. It's been two years now since Felipe Drogovic won his F2 championship, and he's still waiting on the sidelines. And Teo Porsche is currently going to Japan in Super Formula after winning the F2 championship because there's no seat available in Formula 1. So the thing is with the feeder series, you plow money into it, you work hard, you work through the series, you win a championship in the lower series, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get a seat in Formula 1. And that's something I think a lot of the drivers end up having to understand and deal with way, way early on is that, yeah, just because you put all of the effort in and the money in and the time and the energy it doesn't always mean you're going to get a seat in Formula 1. And for some of them, yes, it is gutting because a lot of them will say that Formula 1 is the ultimate dream. But they do go into different series. They go into World Endurance, they go into IndyCar, they go into Formula E. So there are different series available. But just because you win Formula 2 doesn't always necessarily mean you're immediately going to get a seat in Formula 1. So yep, that is the feeder series. That is F4, F3, F2 and F1 Academy. Like I mentioned... F3, F2 and F1 Academy are going to be televised this year. F3 and F2 have been anyway, but first year for F1 Academy to be televised. Please watch them. Put them on record if you want to, if you can't watch all of them like at the time, because let's be honest, I can't. It's a lot to catch up on on a race weekend when you have all of the feeder series and support races going on as well as Formula 1. So I normally just chuck them on record and then I'll end up watching them in the week just to have something on in the background. Definitely, definitely worth just giving it a watch, giving it a shot. I know there are a lot of people that actually prefer watching the feeder series compared to Formula 1 at the moment just because the feeder series are a lot more competitive. And especially with F1 Academy, please give it a watch. Please just tune in, watch it, give them the viewing figures and enjoy the racing that they're doing because there are some epically talented women in this series that deserve so much more recognition than what they're getting at the moment and we're seeing them slowly move into other racing series and then the feeder series we've got people going into formula four and everything as well so it's exciting and definitely definitely worth watching 
thank you guys so so much for listening and i'll be back next tuesday at 9 a.m with a new episode so make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast or on youtube and i will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the steward's office